0: You're now listening to your Real Money Stories podcast.
1: So my father passed away in 2017. Um, It was quite unexpected. When I had to go into a job centre then, I felt like I was looked down on, I felt like I was just seen as just a scrounger. That was very much the rhetoric around that time, that people on benefits were scroungers.
2: Hi guys, I'm Ashley, I'm Eve, and I'm Nick, and we are The Money Money Medics, and we're your hosts of Your Real Money Stories,
3: an original podcast series brought to you in association with Zopa, the
2: podcast where we'll be giving you the unfiltered truth about
0: money through anonymous confessions and unfiltered opinions, as well
2: as providing useful information and resources for each topic we discuss.
3: And we have to say, this isn't financial advice, these are just our views. So... Today we're going to be talking about COVID and, and kind of the financial implications it's caused. You know, I think we really want to cut to the nail everything. I think it's going to be a little bit of an emotional episode, but at the same time, educational as well. And according to research conducted by Zopa last summer, 51% of Brits have admitted that they're financially worse off since the pandemic. And it's not just about cutting all your expenses to survive. You shouldn't do that at the expense of your mental health and physical health. And we're going to get into that in the episode. So as always, there will be three sections to this podcast. First, we'll hear a personal story from our anonymous guests. Then we'll discuss our opinions as well. And always provide some really useful tips and resources at the end. So today we're joined by Alexa. We're going to be as transparent as possible. And I think I want to be honest, you know, um, COVID-19 has affected so many people, it was affected even I. And we just really want to show people or give people an idea of what life was like before COVID. So Alexa, what happened? How was your life prior to COVID-19, the pandemic?
1: So prior to COVID-19, I'd been working in my role for four years. I was finally getting on top of like sorting out my finances, really learning, educating myself, getting into good practices. And yeah, things seemed to be going well. I'd been working my way up in the company, was looking to leave, but was quite comfortable where I was at that moment in time. And financially, I was healthy, but I didn't have a lot of savings because I hadn't gotten there yet, but it was part of my goal and was something that I was working towards. And then COVID hit. I was working in an industry that was one of the first industries to be closed down. I remember Boris's speech on the 16th of March closing us down, and we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't even receive any word from our employers as to what was going to happen. We just saw it on the news and thought, well, I guess we're not going into work. And that that was it, really. And then it was a bit of a wait to find out if we would get payment. So we had a minimum payment for two weeks and then finally the um, government decided to put in the furlough scheme. So... I ended up being on furlough for a few months. It wasn't topped up, but you know, I was just grateful to have some money. And at the time, I thought I better start looking for other jobs, and I better start trying to pay off everything that I needed to pay off in this time. I forgot to mention that actually, just taking out a money transfer because I had some trips planned, and I thought let me get pay them all off now, and then work my way to pay them off throughout the year. Uh, I'd already mapped it up and, and it would have been really easy to do. They would all be paid off by now. But then my employers decided to make us redundant. I think that they wanted to change a lot of the rules around the, our employment that our contract kind of stopped them from doing. And this was a great opportunity to do it. And so we were made redundant quite quickly. I wasn't paid my full entitlement. So that's initial that I've been trying to fight. And so even the money that I'd expected from all those years I've worked for my employer, I just didn't get that money. And it left me in the lurch. And now I have this money transfer card that I would have been able to pay off, but now I have to quickly try and find a way of how am I going to balance my payments. Luckily, I live with my mum. My so that has been a lifesaver because I've not been getting the full amount of universal credit there's just been an error on my account that's taken months to get sorted out so all of this has just compounded into a big shock for me financially.
3: How was your financial position prior to lockdown would you say you you were in the best financial position or were things good how were you prior to the lockdown?
1: So prior to lockdown um, I was on top of things financially Um, I had a bit of debt but it was manageable debt that I'd kind of decided to have by choice, if that makes sense. So we need to get a really good credit rating. I didn't have much disposable income. And so when I said that I was happy with where I was in my employment, but also looking to change, that was one of my main issues. There were so many things that I wanted to do financially that I realised I couldn't do because my wage was too low. And so I was quite, you know, good at paying everything as soon as my money came in, I got paid weekly. And um, I had a very small budget to actually work with after that. I had about £30 a week to play with after everything was um, paid off. So um, I wasn't in loads of debt or anything like that. But it was a thing of I didn't have much disposable income, which is why I took out the money transfer card, because I saw that I could actually save money if I paid off, if I paid it all at once. And I worked out that I could afford to just pay it all all off um, over the a few months. Yeah, I wasn't in a terrible financial position, but I wasn't in the position that I wanted to be. And I think a lot of that is down to a smaller income than which is necessary for someone to live off in London. Wow, well,
0: okay. So you mentioned that um, your industry was one of the first to be affected by lockdown. So can you give us a bit more detail? What exactly was it that you did? Um, and if you don't mind sharing, of course, this is personal, but if you don't mind sharing, and it's anonymous, by the way, how much were you earning at the time, pre-lockdown?
1: So I was working in the theatre industry, and I was working on the front of house side, and I'd worked my way up into some manager roles, but mostly worked as a supervisor in theatre. I think I was getting around 24000
0: you also mentioned that there was um, debt that you had that was manageable. Do you mind sharing a bit more about this debt and how you got into it, and and what exactly um, you took it out for? Uh,
1: yes. So my father passed away in twenty seventeen. Um, it was quite unexpected, and I think at the time it was me, um, my sister, the younger brother um, were kind of left. To, try and pay for you know a funeral we had to empty his house and pay for removals we had to just sort out everything that we could um obviously not having any experience of this um previously and so yeah we found that for funerals were very expensive very very expensive we were quite lucky that my dad had given us mostly well not given us he'd left a provision for us to be able to get Some money to pay for most of the funeral costs, but I don't think people realize how much everything else costs. It just sounds like you've had a really difficult couple of years, so
0: I'm just so sorry to hear this. And in in a sense, I know how you feel because um, I recently lost someone really close. I mean, Nick and I both lost someone really close to us as well, and um, during that process, we had no idea how much everything was going to be. I mean. I saw that cremations were over a thousand pounds, and I was like, "What? That's that's ridiculous." I didn't realize it would be this expensive. So, it it like life in itself is a cost, but then death becomes its own um, cost as well. But just to go back to how things have been progressing, you know, through COVID, etc. As you're going through everything that you're going through, were you did you have any government um support that you could turn to? Were you able to sign on to benefits or, or or anything like that? What what
1: did you use to see you through through the rough patches? Um, well, as soon as I had been made redundant, I applied for Universal Credit. That was the first m- month that I got that I was able to get the full amount, and then my th- system messed up and so I had about three had about three months where it's not being the correct amount I was getting about 118 pounds a month which (laughs) doesn't cover my bills you know I when I say I live at at home with my parents uh, well my mum it's not a free ride if that makes sense like bills still need to be paid rent still needs to be paid it's a contribution type thing and so I am conscious that my financial situation impacts the rest of my family in that I'm not able to contribute the amount that I'm supposed to be. And so there's a greater financial burden on them. So, yeah, I, I think that my universal credit is going to be sorted out this month. That's what I've been told. So I'll just have to wait and see. Um, but then that's the next issue is to see whether or not I will get backdated. Uh, so... Yes, financial assistance, there from Universal Credit, but I don't think it's adequate. Some people might be annoyed with me saying that I don't think it's adequate to expect people to live off of such a small amount for so long when, you know, the reason that they're unemployed is through government intervention. It, it's hard because I wish that I, you know, in hindsight, I could say, well, if I'd had savings, if I was able to try and look maybe a little bit harder and to see if I could find an income protection insurance that included redundancy protection maybe I'd be in a different situation but also I know that for me I had income protection insurance prior to this but it didn't cover redundancy because of the industry that I work in because a theatre show could close overnight so I don't know what else I could have done on the wage that I had that could have Protected me more.
3: No, I completely understand. Like um, with this whole like like claiming universal credit, it's, it's never easy, especially when you've gone to university and you you're told if you work hard you can earn a certain amount of money and you don't have to rely on the government. Like, walk me through your your thought process. How did it make you feel when you had to claim universal credit, and had you had to claim government support? previously
1: so I've claimed universal credit in the past twice one was prior to going to university um I took a year out to work and found that work was very very hard to get when you have no experience I did eventually get a job but I had to claim universal credit at that time and that was very hard because I felt like when I had to go into a job center then I felt like I was looked down on I felt like I was just seen as just Scrounger. That was very much the rhetoric around that time. That people on benefits were scroungers. And then I had to claim universal credit again. Sorry, it was job seeker. It's called job seeker's allowance back then. When I had graduated from university and I was applying for all of these graduate jobs and no one wanted to hire me, and I kept applying. But I felt then that I was treated a little bit better having had a degree. Eventually, I was put on a program through the job center for young people who'd been unemployed for more than I think it was six months and it was where you had to go and volunteer or work work for free for a company and I was put in Matalan and some people were put in Primark and we were basically working as shop assistants but for free and I couldn't understand that at the time because I felt like it was a situation whereby we were working for free, and so taken away from the jobs that we could have actually been getting. So in that area, there wasn't any jobs because they didn't need to hire anybody because the job centre was just giving them all these people for free. And then, luckily, I, I managed to get a job after that. Oh my god, that's crazy! I just remember at the time just thinking, I can't believe that I'm I'm that this is the the training that they think that young people need because this was a job that we could have all gotten anyway. And so uh, the government focus then, I felt, was very much like just get them into anything instead of ke- keeping people into sustainable long-term jobs. So eventually I got a job and then progressed my way to start working in the theatre, working my way up. And then now applying this time, I feel as though in some ways there's not that stigma that I had the previous times because, you know, it's almost like people finally believe yeah, it's not your fault. <laughs> You know, before you had to kind of be like, you know, I really do want a job, I really do want a job. I'm not doing I'm not claiming because I don't want to work and now people go, Okay, yeah, we understand that people when they're unemployed it's not their fault. And maybe that's part of the fact that I don't have to go into the job centre, I get phone calls. And I also think in some sense the advisors when they call you realise that it's it's very, very hard to get a job. They're more sympathetic in this time. That being said, I had said to myself, I will never be on any form of benefits again and here I am so that has like a mental aspect of it of me feeling like I failed in one of my goals which was never to be as poor as I was when I was on universal credit previously and now I'm here and
3: Alexa are you are you okay um as you're you're telling this because like I guess we're getting really emotional just hearing this you know I just want to check are you how you are you okay
1: yeah I'm I'm okay it's You know, it's something that I've had to think about for quite a while and it does frustrate me and it does get me down at times when I think, wow, I'm really being set back. I I feel like I'm getting set back on a lot of my plans for myself, my future. Sometimes I sit on my finances and I'm like, "Okay, well, I've had to tap into some of my overdraft to, you know, get basic things like food sometimes um, or pay an unexpected bill, an annual bill or something that I can't avoid. Um and I just think to myself sometimes, right, when I have to when I do get working again, I'm gonna have to pay that back, I'm gonna have to pay this back, you know, when am I gonna be able to do the things that I had actually planned to do financially, such as move out and get a home, such as build up my savings. You know, I, I always had this plan I was gonna build up my savings and then I was gonna go on to building up an emergency fund. And these are all things that I have to put on the back burner, and I see myself being set back years. And I think that's what's more frustrating, that I often feel that I take steps to get to a certain place, and then get pushed right back, maybe even further than I was when I first started. Because last time I was on Universal credit, I didn't have anything to pay back. I, uh, you know, whatever I had from the job center was what I had. What they had, there was no debt or anything to worry about. Now, when I do start working again I'm gonna to have to pay that back so I'm like five steps behind where I was.
3: What I really want to say is I really don't want to beat yourself up because I guess something that I feel a lot of people don't know is I um, after our wedding like things were going relatively okay you know and I guess coming from a banking career I was someone who was, was earning quite a lot and Having gone through, like I guess, like when I look at my family situation, I had never thought I would ever, ever find myself in a situation whereby I'm out of work for a prolonged period of time, and it really, really did hit me hard in terms of I've just gotten married. I'm supposed to try and provide, and then I found myself out of work um, for a few months, and it was really mentally quite overwhelming especially when you have friends or whatever and the, and you can't you you feel too ashamed to kind of want to talk to them you know and it's like I remember every night I would just be awake and like I've worked so hard why am I in this position you know I would question my faith you know so I don't think you should beat yourself up because like now even when I lost my job, I was also going through like having to lose a a family member and mentally I actually couldn't still um, look for a job properly. And I know even saying that it's it's making me a little bit emotional saying this, but it's like, don't beat yourself up. You know, I think you have to understand that um, life is rocky you know and i think when you remove that feeling of comparing yourself to other people you then realize that um, you're on your own journey you know and i think going through my own personal experience i have a completely different spec different perspective on personal finance but in kind of just like really um, picking things up i think you you mentioned that you had to utilize a credit card um, I guess like how much credit did you have to take out um, during that period to support you and did you have to take out a lot?
1: I think I took out about £2,000 and I didn't use all of it but I put the whole of the for me and my sister on that so she was able to give me back her part but I still had my part to pay off and not being able to pay that off was really hard for me. But I would say what you what you said is correct, having a good credit score, I think has helped me a bit because initially the payments that I had to to make on that credit weren't too high. It's when you have nothing coming in that everything becomes too high, if that makes sense. This is the thing that really kind of gets to me. Like I I think back and I think, did I make a stupid, stupid decision? And then I think, but it was super manageable. It really was manageable. It was a good plan. You know, it's a good plan if there's nothing that goes wrong. But who could have predicted that we were in, we were going to be in this position?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I feel like it does seem as though the plans that you made were sensible at the time. I mean, we only make decisions based on the information that we have at the time. Of course, if we knew that there was a pandemic around the corner, a lot of us would have made completely different decisions. But you made a good decision for you at the time. And you're right, because taking out a loan that was that would have been manageable... Would have potentially increased your or improved your credit score had you paid everything back, and would have, you know, had potential benefits. And well, the increased credit score would have had potential benefits in the future, unlocked better interest rates, etc. So, so I wouldn't say it was um, a stupid decision at all. I would say it was smart considering your particular circumstances at the time. But one thing that um, Nick and I, when we were going for everything, is that we had a lot of friends and family. Um, that were around us that he could discuss all of his um, troubles with and I could discuss all of our troubles with as well. Did you have like a good support network around you? Like, Were you able to talk to people around you about the things that you were going through? I mean, how did you feel about that?
1: Um, I think that I'm typically the type of person who everyone comes and tells their problems to, and so I'm not used to telling other people my my problems so I did tell my sister and I told my mom a bit about what what I was dealing with but then in lockdown my sister got very very sick I mean it was touch and go twice and so that wasn't something that I could focus on at that moment in time so I think I've noticed from that situation that I've got a very good support network around me but I felt that my focus especially during the summer when she was ill, it was not, nothing to do with my, my financial situation. It was all to do with, is she going to die? Is she going to be better? So, yes, I've got a good support network. I've got people that I can talk to. Do I utilise it? No. <laughs> if I'm going to be completely honest, no, I don't.
3: No, I completely relate to you. Like When I look at my life, I feel like I'm always that person that people come to Nick for advice or people come to Nick like, oh, Nick's doing really well. So I like. was
0: going to say the exact same <laughs> thing because you guys sound really similar when I'm... Your story and how you are and how Nick is, it sounds very similar. He People always come to him and expect him to give him all the answers. So sometimes there are times where he's not able to talk to people because people have this expectation of him.
3: In terms of like how you were feeling during that period, like... Were there things you did that you just couldn't reconcile sometimes in terms of your behaviour towards your finances linked to your mental health?
1: I think part of that comes from just wanting to enjoy something, you know, just wanting to enjoy, have something that I can still have. And even on top of that, maybe some subscriptions, you know, I didn't want to to get rid of... Um, my music subscription because when I go for my walks I ever listen to music or I um, listen to a podcast and I thought well having the, the music subscriptions is good for me and having if I get rid of Netflix and things like that then what am I actually going to do I didn't want to because I thought well why should I give up everything I mean I we understand why then why is the financial aspect but I also felt like it was better for my mental health just to allow myself to Now, the takeaway is I didn't have to allow myself. I can make something nice. I can cook. (laughs) But I wanted to eat my feelings for a little while. (laughs) And I did. (laughs) And now I regret
0: (laughs) it. I completely relate with you on that. I mean, um, when our close family member passed away, it was also because I was in hospital for a while. And I was out of work for two months because I couldn't go back to work um, for two months when all of that happened. And even in that two-month period, you know, you'll think that, oh, because I'm not working for two months, I'll have to be budgeting, etc. And I'm notoriously, like, the master budgeter. I have my enjoyment fund. I'm very strict when it comes to my budget. But when we were going through that, my budget flew out the window. I didn't give two Fs about what I was saving, what I was spending. Like, I just couldn't think about anything anymore because we we're just going through so much. It was just too much compounding on one another. So I completely get it. Sometimes you just feel like you just need to enjoy something, even though you know it's bad for you physically and financially, but you just need to have little things in life or little things to look forward to. So now I c- I completely get it. And it's only recently, in the past couple of weeks, I'm starting to get my like savings types energy back where I'm able to like sit down and think okay let me sort out my finances now you know let me try and organize everything that you know I've put to the side over the past couple of months so I mean was there anything that you feel like helped you get back onto your feet or helped you turn things around was there any type of turning moments for you because I
1: know there definitely was for me I think When I sat down and I decided, okay, let me see what is going on. Because one thing that I did refrain from doing was looking too much at how much debt I was building up from not having any money coming in. And I had an idea of what overdraft limits I have. And I had like a healthy-ish overdraft limit. But I really... At one point I was like, okay, I've been unappointed for a few months now. I need to see what the situation is. And just sitting down and totaling it up and then going, okay, let me look at this logically. Because this is what I would do normally is just sit down and say, okay, you know, how much money do I have here? If I want to do this, how, how, how long will it take to save up, etc. And so I was able just to sit down and go, okay, so if I try and really, really focus on slowing down my spending then when I get a job it will take me less time to pay it back Uh, and really factor in how much I could afford to pay back if I was to work on a certain wage and how much more how much longer that would take me if I was to acquire any more debt. I know it sounds really silly but that's the way I think about things Um, and I managed to get a position so I've managed to secure a position but it doesn't start until the autumn.
2: Amazing thank you. What what type
1: of role is it if you don't mind me asking? (laughs) So it's for a technology scheme a completely different industry but it's exciting in the sense that I think that it will hopefully make sure that I am in a position that if something like this was to ever happen again I would have skills to do something that I could do from home or for myself you know have multiple streams of income you hear people say that all the time and I used to think oh, oh shut up <laughs> and then <laughs> and now I'm like now I'm like I need multiple streams of income <laughs> and it doesn't have to be doing something different from what you you normally do but it's like the ability to do it yourself so you know I'm very happy about that and also it's something that's more future focused so hopefully I can get skills that are a bit more future-proof now that I know the wage for it I'm, I'm like Okay, I need to really focus on the fact that if I continue to acquire any more debt, I'm going to spend my first year in that role paying off debt. And then it's going to take me another year to make savings. So having that as well has allowed me to focus on really trying to give myself a goal of, okay, you need to get by until the autumn. You need to find a way of getting by until autumn and then, at least then, you'll have an income going coming in. So that's helped a bit of the anxiety. There's also more anxiety because I need to get there.
0: I mean it sounds like everything is moving towards a positive outcome. So this is all really I know you've had a really, really tough couple of years, but I mean us too. But you know, it sounds like you're trying to look towards a future and um positive, you're optimistic, you know, hopeful as well. And these are all the characteristics that you need in order to to make something great of yourself. So it sounds like you're doing a good job. So you need to applaud yourself on that as well. Do you mind if I ask, how did you hear about this tech job? Well, how did you get into it? Because it's very different to what you were doing before, but it does sound like it's very future proof.
1: So I spent a lot of time this summer really sitting down and saying, OK, do you want to go back into the theatre industry? The answer is no. I don't want to go back into the theatre industry. I spent all of my times working sociable hours and I think not get to see my family and friends and you know my sister can I'm it's making me see how important it is to be around so I don't want to go back into that industry okay what else do you want to do so I was like well I want to do something where I can actually earn enough money to you know not have to sh- continually struggle when I have a full-time job um and I want to do something that might be enjoyable And I have no technology background, but I decided to take a few short courses in um, different aspects of technology. And I quite enjoyed it. And I quite enjoyed learning about all of the different changes that have been brought in and how this might, you know, revolutionise the world. And it, it just sounds really, really interesting to me. And I thought, well, actually, let me see if I can get into this industry. I would encourage people who are, in a situation where they know the industry is probably not going to pick up so just to look to retraining you know the idea of retraining sounds like a, a, a setback at first but we've been in lockdown for a year and who knows who knows how much longer it's going to be we owe it to ourselves to give ourselves the best chance possible to excel and also i wanted to say to that retraining doesn't mean that you can't go back to the job that you were doing before It means you give yourself something to do for now.
3: What I really want to kind of finish this um, discussion on a really, really good note, like is what is your advice for people who may be going through any form of financial hardship?
1: I think my advice would be just to take a step back and just assess the situation in an objective way if you can. If you find that really hard, maybe getting somebody that you trust, giving them all the information and getting them to assess the situation for for you, meaning assess your financial situation, assess the situation that is coming with your industry, what options are open to you. Because sometimes it can really can feel like there are no options open at all. And then coming up with a plan in the way that you would say it was a project. I say this knowing that it's very hard to do and knowing that there's the emotions that go into it. Like, look, I said that I wasn't even looking at my... account for a while but really just taking the time to sit down and go okay this is the amount that I have this is how long it will take to pay back if I was to get a job on x amount of wage what is my likelihood of getting a, a role now okay I might not be able to get something right now but I can tie myself over for x amount of months I can get a payment holiday for such and such amount of months I can allow myself to keep this thing because it makes me happy, but the rest of this, of my outgoings can be sacrificed. And really just looking at it as a plan.
3: No, Alexa, um, thank you so, so, so much. Um, I feel like to know that, yeah, there are other people going through similar things, you know, and I think it's, it's the power of opening up and talking about it to people you trust goes a long way to kind of making the situation more manageable.
0: Wow it's just so interesting hearing her story you know because I feel as though so much has happened over the past 12 months for so many different people and half of us don't even know what the other half are going through yeah and we just have to always make sure that we're reaching out to people because we don't know half the things that people are going through when Nick and I were going through the bereavement people didn't know what we were going through as well so it's just important that we're always checking up on our neighbours and friends and family and just making sure that everyone's okay but um just leads me on to our discussion just between the three of us um so based on what she's been talking about I know there are some times where we all go through money situations but we just don't have the confidence or the security to be able to discuss exactly what we're going through with the people around us so have you guys ever been in a situation like that and Tell me a bit about what had happened and how you overcame it.
3: Yeah, I think it's like I've alluded to. I think this episode has been quite emotional because um, during COVID, yeah, I I, I lost my job for a period of time, you know, and I went into a little bit of a depression, you know, because even when I was trying to apply for jobs, I was getting rejected left, right and centre. I had to apply for universal credit which is something I've never had to do before and yeah it was quite yeah it was quite embarrassing you know like I'm supposed to provide or be newly married and I'm in this funny financial situation you know I felt really bad so that was kind of my very uncomfortable like money situation but yeah what was your um uncomfortable situation Ashley?
2: So couple years back uh i had like left my job at um working at another pharmacy and i had like transitioned into working in like um yeah like a new company earning like really good money so you know i was like you know super excited and i usually i know usually when like you start a new job job sometimes there's like hiccups in terms of like you know when you get paid maybe like you might not get paid um, that month so <laughs> basically um what happened is that they hadn't paid me for two months and honestly I'll probably say like money wise that is probably like the the most difficult position I had like ever been like I had enough money to maybe like cover, tr- cover travel and like food and stuff like that for a month but for two months I don't know how to explain it but for me when I'm like Broke or I don't have money. I I, I feel like I, I almost can't breathe. Like I'm suffocating, and I just get really confused. I I can't think properly. So during that period, I was like I was really 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 embarrassed. I just started a big job, but I can't even afford to even travel to work. There were times that I literally wanted to call in sick because I just I couldn't afford to you know get on the train, and I had to ask like my little sister for money. Shout out to my little sister. She's, she's always holding me down. <laughs> I had to ask her for money. And um, luckily she had um, given me some money. But um, I think that was probably a very difficult situation. And I think that a lot of people go through situations like this every single day. But sometimes when you look at like the stigma and the taboo that is associated with money in terms of like debt. I think I even took out like, a payday loan during that time as well. Um, so when you look at like, the stigma associated with debt, payday loans or whatnot, it's, you feel very embarrassed to even reach out to your family or to reach out to your friends, And that can really send you into a um, spiral of like depression, anxiety. So that was like my situation that I went through.
0: And even I didn't know that.
2: So are you, babe?
0: Obviously, because we live together and we're married, all of our situations will always be shared. So... I think that pro- probably last year with the bereavement and you losing your job and me not being able to work as well, that was, of course, the most difficult financial situation because everything had been compounded within such a short space of time. So it was like all within a couple of months, like I can't work, you can't work, loss the close down, like it was just a lot to go through. But it can be tough to tell certain people because you do feel like they'll be, they'll be judging you and they won't really understand the difficulties that you're going through and almost make it out like it was self-inflicted or it's your own fault that you're going through. It. Or maybe if you saved harder, maybe if you had a bigger emergency fund, etc. But things like this in life, you just really can't predict. And I've even learned a lot myself, actually. Nothing can prepare you for some of the things that life will throw at you. You can only do your best, but you know, ultimately, nothing can prepare you for some of these things.
3: No, I think you, you said it quite nicely. I think just to kind of wrap it up, I think it's the most important thing you can kind of take take from it is as soon as you know you've lost your job, apply for universal credit immediately. And, and the reason why I'm saying that is, yeah, I know you, I don't want to seem as if we're hypocrites. Like in the instance whereby I lost my job, I did have an emergency fund to last me for a prolonged period of time. But something I learned from applying for universal credit is that it can take a long time to receive your first payment so don't wait until your funds are zero before you rely on government and just to kind of take a step back if you're receiving any form of government benefit whether it's furlough or it's um, the self-employed you're on a form of government benefit so let's just remove the stigma there that whether you pay taxes or not like you, we live in a, a welfare state so you have a right to apply for a legible grant so there are websites like Turn to Us or Entitled where you find the eligible grants you're entitled to. And I think things to consider when it comes to your spending, understand your needs from your, your wants, you know, and be able to evaluate if you have an emergency fund or you don't have an emergency fund, how long can you last before you go to zero? And again, utilize, I think from this conversation, mental health is so important. So utilize resources such as MIND, speak up to people you trust, you know, talking is another form of therapy. Yeah, I think this has been quite an emotional episode. We hope you've gained a lot from it. As always, we're gonna be sharing lots of resources from mental health to uh, flagging some of the government schemes available. But yeah, till next time guys, um, you've just listened to another episode of Your Real Money Stories. Thank you.
0: Bye. Thank you. Bye everyone. You've just listened to an episode of Your Real Money Stories, an original podcast brought to you in association with Zopa.
3: Who provide great value financial products and tools to make managing your money a lot easier.
2: So make sure you subscribe and share with your friends who you think might have related to this episode. For more information and resources around the themes discussed in this episode, head over to zopa.com forward slash podcast.
3: And of course, if you want to be on the next episode, make sure you slide into our DMs on Instagram at moneymedics.